Welcome to the PSD Cast with your host, Jason Lumberg at Power Systems Design. And one of the more interesting beneficiaries of the Internet of Things is white goods, especially as connected appliances become the norm. Unfortunately, this also provides an irresistible target for hackers who use goods like refrigerators to establish a foothold in their victim's house. And the question is, how do we protect against these botnets? Service technicians don't usually have the required expertise, and most end users won't be able to fix the problem themselves. So the onus falls squarely on the manufacturers. Alan Grau with Sectigo recently wrote a, a blog post addressing this very topic, and we've got him on the show today to discuss it and how to inoculate white goods against botnets. So Alan, thanks for joining us. And at the risk of repeating myself, why do botnets pose such a serious risk to our nation's power grid? Hi, Jason. Yeah, I'm happy to, uh, to dive into that. So really, one of the reasons this is such a serious problem is that these devices are being manufactured with really very well-developed computing capability. We've heard a lot about the Internet of Things and connected devices. You know, with 5G networks rolling out, we're seeing greater and greater connectivity, both inside of the home and out. And as these devices are developed with you know, the capability of, uh, of a small computer within them, they have the computing power to do real damage if they're not properly secured. And unfortunately, many OEMs, as they're rushing to get devices out the door and you know, are focused on increasing sales, building core capabilities into the devices, haven't taken a serious approach to security in these devices. So many of these devices lack the, the basic security controls that are needed to protect them from cyber attacks. And mm -hmm. you know, as such, it's, it's really easy in many cases for attackers to, to be able to take control of these devices. Mm -hmm. and, and speaking of which, you mentioned in your blog that botnet malware isn't necessarily dangerous for individual consumers. Can be isn't necessarily. But why is that exactly? What I meant by that is that if it's my refrigerator that's been hacked, and, and we've seen examples of malware that have affected home appliances, right? My refrigerator may still work as it always did. So you know, I'm going down to use it. It's got capability on it for perhaps you know, allowing me to automatically reorder groceries, do things like that. But the core functionality of the refrigerator may not be affected by the bot or by the malware that's infected the, the computing on the device. So from my point of view as a user of the device, I'm not necessarily impacted. However, the device may have been infected with malware and as such can be used by somebody else for purposes that could be damaging um, you know, to, at a broader sense or to someone else. Okay. Well, how do we go from uh, the beginning com compromised appliances to, to botnets? Can, can you describe the process? Sure. So I mean, a botnet essentially is just a collection of computers that are controlled by malware or by someone else you know, that are they're conscripted, conscripted into a, a, a network or a, a control scheme that someone else manages. So essentially, if I want to create a botnet, the first step is to create some malware that I can install on a variety of devices. And unfortunately, what we've seen in the IoT world is there are many devices that have very weak credentials, so it's very easy to hack into them and install malware on them. So the first step is to install the malware on a, a large number of devices. And often that's an automated scripted process. 
So you, you're not doing it manually, but you create malware that will spread by itself. Once the malware is installed on the device, it will connect back to a central server and report, hey, I'm connected. Here's my IP address, or here's uh, some information so you know how to talk to me. And it will sit there and wait for a command from this centralized system, or from the control system, that then controls all of these devices that are essentially acting like little robots under my control or under the control of whoever created the malware and installed that. Um, in some cases, they'll sit there and wait for a command. Uh, we saw that with um, the Mirai botnet, where once all the malware was installed on many, many devices, it was then used to launch a coordinated denial of service attack or DDoS attack against one central target. And to get about thousands or hundreds of thousands of devices flooding one single target with packets and overwhelm it, creating a denial of service attack. In other cases, you see things where the bots will install and will, um, will be used to mine cryptocurrency on a device, or they'll be used for ransomware attacks, less so in the case of um, individual consumers or IoT devices. At least so far, we haven't seen ransomware attacks against IoT devices, but that's certainly something that's possible. Okay, well, you know, we mentioned how uh, the malware isn't necessarily dangerous for individuals, but what can manufacturers and OEMs to, do to ensure their devices are safe from hacks, and, and how can Sectigo help along with that process? Well, the, the challenge with this is that, as you said, you know, individual consumers really can't do much. It has to be managed and solved by the OEM building the product. So if I'm building a refrigerator, if I'm building a, a car that's a connected car, a medical device, whatever that end device is, security has to be built in by the OEM. You know, these are specialized devices. As a consumer, you can't, generally speaking, install software into the device after it's on the market. So you have to have that, that built in by the OEM. And at Sectigo, one of the things that we do is provide security software for these specialized devices to allow manufacturers to harden their devices. And there's really a number of, of pieces to that. Part of it is having strong credentials on the device so that you can do a robust, cryptographically strong authentication uh, to the devices so that when you're connecting to the device, you can ensure that it is who it says it is and that it, the device can ensure that you, whoever it is that is talking to it, has the rights to, to talk to it. And that often is done using certificates. So that gets back to the public key encryption and certificates issued for the devices allowing strong authentication. Other techniques or parts of the solution are things like secure boot, secure software updates, embedded firewalls built into the device to protect them from attack and preventing this sort of malware from being installed on the device. Okay. Well, um, thanks for all the great information, Alan. On behalf of PSD, I want to thank you for your time. And to our audience, thanks for tuning in.